Bucks fans, how's everybody doing this fine morning? Casey Phillips here with Scott Smith, and it is time for Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. This is where we answer all of your questions. So if you're not already over there, head on over to the Facebook page and you can leave your questions for us in the comment section underneath our live video. While we give people a chance to do that, of course, today is the franchise tag deadline. So, of course, that is uh, applicable to Shaq Barrett on our team. And I just wanted to hear what your thoughts are and what it seems like is going to happen and how this could affect the team, you know, not only this year, but just sort of moving forward with him. Yeah, this is the first time we've actually had to worry about this, not worry, but take into account this particular date in a while. The last time we had anybody franchise tag was way back in 2012 with kicker Connor Barth and they had a new deal worked out by May. So this is kind of a unusual uh, situation for the Buccaneers, but um, you know, in terms of it being a deadline, what it is, is it's a deadline for the team and the player to get a long-term deal done. Uh, It's not actually a deadline for anybody signing their franchise tender. It just means that once four o'clock today passes, you can't do a long-term deal. The only two choices for the player are to sign that tender and make it his one-year contract for this year or to hold out like Le'Veon Bell did uh, two years ago, I think. And, you know, I'm not sure it went so great for Le'Veon Bell. It's, it's, you're not going to see that very often. And in fact, as recently as I think yesterday, uh, Shaq Barrett said on NFL Network that, he would be playing on the one-year term if they couldn't work one out. He's, he said he really wanted to get a long-term deal done. He said the team really wanted to get a long-term deal done. But in this current environment with, you know, the nation and everybody in quarantine, COVID, uh, it's just – it's tougher to get it done. So let I'll play the one year if we don't get a deal done, and hopefully we can then get a long-term deal done, especially if he has another great season, which I think everybody expects that he will. So – um, it's a deadline in, in one respect, but it's not like he has to rush the one to uh, the Advent Hill Trading Center and get it signed today. I would suspect he'll probably get it signed whenever he returns to, to work with the rest of the players. That would be my guess. Right. And uh, we have Daniel from Lakeland again. This is who uh, his 11-year-old daughter promised the cookies uh, uh, last time. So yeah, did I, get, did I get it right? Uh, yeah, he said to, to message them for the cookies on how to deliver. So this, this looks like you're, it looks like you're in, you're golden. Fantastic. Um, he said, uh, this year's question is, do you think Ronald Jones is going to have a breakout year? And he pointed out how in college, his junior year was his breakout year. And so what does this mean about uh, potentially how he could be doing at this point now that he's been in the system for a little bit? Well, that, that whole family really knows Buccaneer football very well, don't they? They do. Uh, to, to know the the uh, career trajectory in college of Ronald Jones. Um, I'm not sure what a breakout year would, what we quantify as a breakout year though. He had a little bit over a thousand yards from scrimmage last year. uh, And if he were to get, you know, two or 300 more than that, do we quantify that as a breakout? The reason I wouldn't necessarily hundred percent say he's going to break out, like have uh, just a huge season is that Keyshawn Vaughn is in the uh, in the equation now too, and we don't know how much of a split there's going to be between those two guys. It's a it's possible that Keyshawn Vaughn is a more dynamic partner for Ronald Jones than Peyton Barber was last year, particularly when it comes to catching passes out of the backfield. So, um, I expect Ronald Jones to take another step forward, and I'm not the only one who would say that. Uh, Coach Arians and has said that several times during this offseason. So I think it's a step forward. I don't know if we'll end up quantifying it as a breakout, though. Okay. 
And uh, Isai, I think, um, asked, who do you think uh, will be our MVP on defense and offense? Is that E-S-A-I? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I think you pronounced it right, I'm guessing. Uh, MVP on defense? You know, I was just thinking about this because I have to answer a similar question in a mailbag for tomorrow. Uh, if a guy – if somebody has a huge – sack season again it's probably going to be him so if Shaq Barrett has another 15 sacks or something it's probably going to be him but let's say that doesn't happen and we maybe have Shaq and JPP and they're all flirting around 10 to 12 sacks um I think it'd probably be one of the two of of Levante David and Devin White and I'd go with Levante David as a safer choice right now but there's a possibility that Devin White has a huge breakout season this year and if he does if he's a guy that offers you a lot of big plays you know interceptions sacks because we know he has the capability of getting sacks I think he had two and a half last year but I think he could do more um I, I think it's gonna be one of those two guys would be my guess and was I also asked who would be on offense mm -hmm. well the, the safe bet is always the quarterback so if you take this team from last year where the offense was very prolific in a couple respects but also obviously turned the ball over too often if it's similarly prolific maybe not 5,100 passing yards again, but 4,500, and now you're taking care of the football, it's probably going to be your quarterback. So Tom Brady is the safe bet, unless somebody like Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, or Gronkowski has like goes crazy and has 12 to 15 touchdowns. But it's, it's a little hard to project that when there's so many guys that can catch passes for you. So Tom Brady is the obvious answer. Yeah, Tom, Tom Brady might benefit for that award just from the fact that you're right, there are so many weapons that maybe no one guy's going to have a massive right. year, which could end up being better for your team. Not, not as for good sure. for him on an MVP award, but better for the team overall. I think you always want your MVP to be your quarterback. Your yes. season probably is going well if that's the case. It's a, it's a great point. Uh, John asked, who is supposed to have a better year out of the tight ends that we have? Well, I mean, I think Rob Gronkowski is going to get the most playing time. I think he'll be on the field the most. Um, but it's probably going to be close between him and OJ Howard because, you know, surprisingly OJ actually played the highest percentage of snaps he's ever played last year. And I know it was seen and it was probably true that it was a bit of a, it wasn't the year that everybody was expecting from OJ Howard. Um, it, it did get better as the season went along. It was definitely better in the second half, but he was on the field all the time. And, you know, coach Arians has said that he probably, that we, that we, we were, totally set to, to work in 12 personnel, which is two tight ends. So we were in that about 22% of the time, I think, last year. I think that number is going to go up a little bit. Um, so both those guys have a shot. But Rob Gronkowski is likely to get the, the touch. I, I would think he'd get more targets in the red zone. And he's also a guy that can take that pass. You know, you're at the 50-yard line. You throw that pass to him over the middle. Of the, he catches a 25, and he's – bouncing it off guys and running over guys. So he's more likely to get the more touchdowns, I would think. And Delvin asked uh, an interesting question. He said, how do you see COVID affecting our scouting in the upcoming draft if there is no college football? Well, it affects everybody the same way. I, I, I think there's a possibility uh, that even if there is football, that some of the top prospects or guys that considered or considered top prospects uh, might opt out and might not play because it might not be worth it to them. Um, yeah, it makes, it makes the scouts jobs a lot harder. And I guess what they have to do is just pour over tape from previous years and go back to the notes they took on those guys. But that's, that's tough because every year there's a new group of guys that are on your watch list that you maybe didn't scout or, or sit down and talk to when you visited campus. Uh, 
I think it makes it a, <laughs> a ton harder. Um, but it's at least it's a level playing field for everyone. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, Ryan asked, how comfortable do you think the team is with the backup quarterback position? Well, I, I'd say pretty comfortable, at least in terms of, of, of knowledge of the system and the guys that have been around for a while, um, Blaine Gabbert and, and Ryan Griffin. I think it'd be a little bit tougher if you were completely starting over in that room. You obviously are starting over at the starter with Tom Brady, but at least your backups have been here before because there's no offseason. As of yet, they haven't had any chance to practice or really learn the system on the field. So if you had brought in, like, say you traded for Nick Foles or something to be your backup quarterback, which would be an expensive proposition, but I'm just throwing out hypotheticals, um, it, it would be a lot harder. So I think they'd feel comfortable in that regard. You know, how, how comfortable are you that these guys would step in and, and produce at the same level as Tom Brady? You can't really say that about Ryan Griffin as much as we all like him because he's, he's, I think he's thrown four passes in his career or so in the regular season. And Blaine Gabbert offers a little bit more. He's actually started games for Bruce Arians before, but that was a couple years ago. So it's probably similar to a lot of teams. You feel reasonably good about your backup quarterback, but you really hope you don't have to go to that option. And uh, Rob asked, do you think Auclair will get some snaps this season? So we talk a lot about, you know, yeah. the Cam and OJ and Gronk part, but then you do still have, you know, Tanner Hudson, Anthony Auclair. Like there's yeah. several guys in there. So what do you feel like their roles could potentially be? Yeah, that tight end room is just packed. And uh, that does make it a little tougher for some of those guys. Auclair, obviously, uh, the coaches love his blocking ability towards the end of last season, or actually, I guess, around the middle when Anthony got hurt and, and went to IR. Um, Coach Arian said he thought he was one of the best blocking tight ends in the entire league. And, and coaches place a lot of value on that. Uh, you know, Coach Arians always did in Arizona. His tight ends didn't usually have huge pass catching numbers, but they were involved and some of them were really good blockers. And yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to figure out because it, it feels like if anybody is getting snaps taken away by Rob Gronkowski, it, it might be him because Rob Gronkowski is a fantastic blocker. So if you're going to do two tight end sets last year, when Eau Claire was healthy, he was usually on the field in two tight end sets, or, or at least if not usually a lot of the time, because he was such a great blocker. But if you have Rob, Rob Gronkowski is a great blocker. It's obviously, I would think tempting to put him with OJ Howard or Cam Braid or Tanner Hudson, somebody that's a dynamic pass catcher as well. So, you know, presuming we keep, if you keep four tight ends and, and you probably do because that room is so stacked, then I don't know which one is the odd man out with the five guys we just talked about, including Tanner Hudson. But if let's say Eau Claire is on the roster, it probably is a matter of him being in on certain packages. Uh, but I would think it'd be tough for him to get the same number of snaps, but I'm not sure because they do love his blocking. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to factor in with that position. Yeah. I feel like it's one of the ones where, it can make such a huge difference between special teams, blocking, that there's so many different dynamics of that position that it's even harder to evaluate who and what will be used in, in what ways. It's, you know, it's not so much like a Mike Evans where you just kind of know this is, this is his role, that the tight ends really bring a lot to it. Um, and apparently Esai uh, said thank you for spelling and saying his name correctly, which is great. And he also asked uh, which second-year player will have the biggest jump. Yeah, that's let's see here. Uh, well, I guess I'd have to go with Devin White. I kind of already half predicted such. Um, Devin, you know, fifth overall pick. They expect him to step right in and be a big playmaker right from the beginning. And then he had the knee injury in week two, and that basically cost him 
four or five weeks, and then it took a little while to knock the rust off. But then you saw towards the end how dynamic of a player he could be. Um, so I would probably put him – you know, I feel like Sean Murphy Bunding and Jamel Dean kind of already made their leap towards the end of last year. They could still make another leap. But, man, I think if they play as well as they were playing in the last month or so, you're already happy with what they're doing. Um, I guess it could be Scotty Miller. That That's sort of a dark horse candidate there if he wins the third receiver job. Um, again, I think we've talked about this. I'm not sure how many targets the third receiver in this offense is going to get. I, I tend to think the second tight end is probably going to get more than the third receiver. But he's going to be on the field a lot because the three receiver set is your most common offensive formation. So I, I would probably say Devin White, but Scotty Miller would be my um, would be my backup pick. I guess the only guy I didn't mention maybe was Matt Gay. I don't know about kickers making leaps, you know, unless you're talking about Martin Gramatica and his famous uh, leaps every time he made a field goal. But um, you probably don't remember that case. I, I don't remember it, but I know of it. He was very – he was he was famous. Every field goal was like the biggest celebration in the world. <laughs> and didn't, didn't that end up being kind of a problem at one point? <laughs> no, not for him. His brother Bill. His That's brother right. Bill did the same thing and pulled – and I think blew out his knee doing that. That's so. right. Uh, <laughs> One of my favorite questions I've seen in a while. Chris wants to know, can Scott Smith jump out of a pool and land on his feet? So obviously Smith reference. Can, well, I mean, I, I, when my son was, was really small, we had one of those little kiddie pools. <laughs> I think I could do it out of that. Yeah, I, um, I, can, I can jump out of a puddle and land on my feet. That's, that's I was trying it. to think of other things that Tristan Wirfs could jump out of, just if that became his thing. Uh, the best one that came to mind was the Salvation Army bucket on the sideline. Remember yeah. when we were in Dallas and Zeke Elliott jumped That's in? True. It's way more impressive to jump out of it. Yeah. If you go back it. and watch that video, Zeke has to climb out of it. But Tristan would probably just jump just out. jump right out of it. That's incredible. I, I just can't believe his athleticism. It's, it really is amazing. Um, overall, do you feel like he's someone that, as we talk about guys that are being asked to come in right as rookies, we were talking about Devin White being asked to do that. Do you feel like Tristan Works is in a position that he could do that? Yeah, I think it would be surprising if he's, he did not win a starting job. Um, and the Buccaneers need to take a step forward on the offensive line. Now, the offensive line, the coaches were actually pretty pleased with most of those guys last year. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not saying we're starting from a bad spot, but they do need to take a step forward, particularly in terms of run blocking. Uh, he's, he's a powerful guy. Obviously, the stuff jumping out of the pool and so on shows how nimble he is for a guy his size. So that's what you're talking about in terms of pass protection. But generally – a rookie lineman, very few rookie linemen, even the, even the best ones, even the ones that turn into all pros, perennial all pros, aren't usually one of the best offensive linemen in the league their rookie year, uh, uh, especially tackles. So it would be a bold bet to say he steps right in and plays at an all pro level. But you, wanna, you want to see powerful run blocking from him, and then you just want to see him at, at least a competent level in terms of pass blocking but you see he has the tools to become a very good pass blocker and and that's what I hope we see out of him obviously I hope he steps right in and is, is fantastic at both but judging from what rookie linemen usually do that would be asking a lot okay well that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite thanks as always to all of you for all those amazing questions Scott thanks for the analysis and we will see you guys again next week <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,